Thank you for tuning in to Belmont Buzz. I'm your local newsbeat, Joanna Jubilist, and today we're going to be speaking with Elizabeth Dion. Elizabeth is a very active Belmont resident, for anyone who is not familiar with her name. She's a voice that's often heard at town meetings. She serves on the Warrant Committee, and she is also chairman of the Community Preservation Committee. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here. I want you to tell viewers a little bit more about yourself. I want to make sure I've covered everything. How long have you lived in Belmont? So my husband and I moved to Belmont in uh, 2011, but we'd actually started attending local church services here in 2009. Uh, we have four children um, who've all attended Belmont schools, uh, except except for one who's who's got autism, but um, he's he's doing very well. Uh, and our youngest right now is a junior at the high school. So uh, I feel like we've um, definitely put down roots in the community. We've we've loved living here. We had lived in Cambridge for 14 years. Uh, before, so we've been in Massachusetts a very long time, and both of us went to school here. Uh, so this definitely feels like home. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a member of town meeting. I first ran for town meeting five years ago at the urging of uh, Judy McSwain, who is a dear friend and lives in the neighborhood. And then a year later, joined the Warrant Committee. And for those who don't know, the Warrant Committee is the financial advisory group for town meetings. So we don't have much of any political authority, but we do spend a lot of time through the year taking a deep dive into town budgets and town finances. So then we can come back and give town meeting our advice, which they are free to listen to or ignore. Uh, usually they listen to us, sometimes they ignore us, and, and that's fully the prerogative of town meeting. You know, they're not just rubber stamp. Town meeting matters, and, and those deliberations matter, and it's a really wonderful exercise in local democracy. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, I joined the Community Preservation Committee. In part, um, there had been a little tension between the Warrant Committee and the CPC. I think just because oftentimes there wasn't good communication between the two. And so I feel like I've been able to serve as a liaison between both committees. Um, for those, again, who don't know, the Community Preservation Committee um, has funds. It's a surcharge on the annual tax bill, and the funds have to be spent on um, open space or recreation, historic preservation, or affordable housing, which we call community housing. Uh, and so those funds are not available for anything else, but they've done some really good things in town, um, especially, in my mind, renovation of the various parks around the town. Yes. Uh, and right now we have a real focus on trying to come up with a plan to rebuild um, both Sherman Village, or I'm sorry, Sherman o Sherman Oaks and Belmont Village, um, which are the two areas in which the town owns affordable housing. Uh, first of all, it's the right thing to do. They're both very old. They need to be renovated and expanded. We hope, but also um, the town has a real problem that's beginning with what's called hostile 40B developments, and that's another subject that we could probably spend an entire half hour on. So I won't get into it, but just Definitely. it's very very important that we focus on affordable housing. Now, I know you are an attorney. That is your background. Yes. Right? Do you still practice as an attorney? So I do. I initially practiced corporate law, and then when our son was diagnosed with autism, um, I really shifted to being his full-time adequate for a while. And then once he was in a, a pretty stable place, I started doing work for Massachusetts Advocates for Children, uh, where I represent 
low-income special needs children on a pro bono basis. So that's the, the most that I do, but I also do a lot in town governance and uh, local policy. Yes, now why, why did you want to get involved in town government? Uh, well, first of all, I am kind of a geek about these things. It's actually kind of fun. I've always enjoyed policy, but it's really deeply meaningful to me to solve problems at the local level. Um, at nationally, not as much at the state, but certainly nationally, there's so much division. And I really feel that town issues are nonpartisan. Uh, we all want good schools and we all want roads and sidewalks and we want town government that is open and responsible and responds to the needs of citizens. And so that just feels really deeply satisfying to me to be able to dive in and, and solve a problem that impacts me and my family, but my neighbors and, and everyone in Belmont. It does take a lot of your personal time, though, and it is a, a volunteer. Thing. Oh, yes. You really do have to love it. Um, it's a lot of time. Now, when you mentioned Belmont and problems, the first thing that comes to mind is money. Belmont doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we don't have a lot of commercial revenue. It's all coming from the residents, the taxes, which is why our taxes keep going up. And now we have an override question on the ballot for the upcoming April election. But I, from what I understand, you are trying to, There, what we're going to be talking about today is the Belmont Retirement Board, yes. the Belmont Retirement System, because you recently applied to be their fifth member, which I think is very, very good that you did that. I don't know how many women over the years have ever done that. Um, and you have a reason for that. And you brought the reasons to the board's attention in your cover letter. And you came very close, came very close to being interviewed, even though you knew you may not get it because you were up against someone who's already been on the retirement board for many years. But then last minute, you were told that you are not an eligible candidate after all um, due to your town involvement, right? Am I right? Yes, that's, that's correct. So you came pretty far. So, and you're not going to, and, and the attentions that you brought to the board's attention, that's what we're going to talk about today because our, it's how the town could actually save money. You found ways. Significant. Through work, yeah, through your work um, on a, was it a, a working group that the Warrant Committee had? Yeah, so let me let me back up and give just a little bit of background. Um, so Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, there are 105 local pension systems. So some towns have banded together, um, some towns have not. Belmont runs its own pension system. Uh, the fund is, and I'm going to use dates that are about a year old, but that's because that was the last audit that was done. So I'm going to use the official numbers from the last audit. Okay. Uh, as of January a year ago, the fund managed $124 million uh, for, I think, 351 participants, uh, meaning retirees. But it's also managing funds that are paid in by the town and current employees. Uh, and I think that's close to 500. So there, there are a lot of people whom this fund impacts. Um, for a long time, pensions were underfunded, and so the state passed a law saying that every town had to get to full funding by 2040. And what that meant was you couldn't just pay as you went. You actually had to fund um, extra funds just to make sure that if something happened to the town, the retirees wouldn't be left high and dry. And, and that's appropriate. This is a commitment that we've made. Um, we should honor our commitments to these employees who worked for a long time for the town. Yeah. 
Uh, the challenge is because you have so many little systems, it's really, really hard to know what's going on. And um, there are a lot of, frankly, for want of a better phrase, good old boys clubs. And they kind of pat each other on the back and they do each other favors. And um, to, Belmont, unfortunately, has consistently been ranked as one of the more expensive plans. And by expensive, I mean the administrative costs, uh, whether you look at it as a percentage of the funds under asset or the cost per member to administer. Belmont has consistently, uh, unfortunately, ranked as one of the more expensive funds. That's not something we want to be, not something we should be proud of. Uh, but we have very little control over it. And the reason is that these are run, these funds are run by independent boards. Okay. And there are two, two members of the board that are appointed by current or elected by current employees and retirees. Mm -hmm. And then an automatic member is the, um, the town accountant. Okay. And then the select board can appoint one person. And currently the person that the select board appointed and reappointed in June of 2020 is Floyd Carmen, who's also the town treasurer. Right. Those four together select a fifth member. And uh, for a while, that's been an attorney named Tom Gibson, who's also involved in other retirement systems, particularly the Middlesex County retirement system. Yeah. Um, but his three-year term was up, and in November, he announced that he'd be reapplying. Now, the way that I knew this was going on was two and a half years ago, uh, Roy Epstein, who at the time was chair of the Warrant Committee, said, you know, pensions are this huge and growing portion of our budget, and we literally don't control it. Right. The, the state tells us we have to write a check, and we have to write a check. Literally, the very first money's out of our budget isn't education, isn't anything. Literally, the first money out of our budget is pensions. That is the primary obligation we have to pay. And it's, you know, last in, in June, we wrote a $10 million check to the pension fund. And every year that amount's going to grow where by 2029 or is it 2030, we'll be writing close to a $17 million check to the pension fund. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge amount of money. So Roy wisely said, we need to understand what's going on here. So he created a working group that consists of me, uh, Chris Doyle, who's the chair. She's yeah. really, really good at this. Very good. Uh, Jeff Lubian, who also knows numbers inside out. And then we were very happy that Andy Levitt recently joined us, or Levin. So there's four of us, and we rotate through. We each will take the, the, the board meets on a monthly basis. So for the last two and a half years, we've been monitoring pretty closely their meetings, what's going on. We've been monitoring the financials. Yeah. And I've always thought we were a very expensive fund, but I am an attorney. I'm not an accountant. I don't have the finance background. So, so Roy Epstein, who's now on the select board, um, mm -hmm. did us a huge favor and did a really deep dive into the numbers. He's a, an economics PhD, so he really gets numbers. And we're really grateful for that because this was something he just did on his own time. He did a deep dive. And the numbers that he came up with were actually a lot worse than we expected. And over... so. Let me explain. There are three kinds of expenses that a board has. And the first are what you'd call administrative expenses, just running the, the system and, you know, administering yeah. benefits. Right. That needs to happen. That will always happen. The second type are what you call investment management fees. Uh, and it's what you're paying people to manage your money. Oh, I see. And then the third, and this is the one that people don't realize and is hidden, it's basically your lost investment returns. So you may be getting some return, but if you aren't getting a better return, the difference between okay returns and really good returns is effectively a loss. And at the end of each year, you and I, the taxpayers of Belmont, have to write a check to cover all three of those expenses. Right. So um, 
When Roy did his deep dive, the most shocking of these expenses, and the one that was worse than we realized, <clears throat> was that we've been losing close to a million dollars a year over the last five years in investment returns. That's a lot of money. For a town like Belmont, that's a huge amount of money. And what's so frustrating about it is there's a really, really easy fix. Um, and the really easy fix is that of the 105 investment or uh, pension systems in Massachusetts, fully half of them have turned all their assets over to something called PRIT, which is a pension reserves investment trust that's run by the state. It's a $68 billion fund. They're really good. They know what they're doing. And it's actually run by a Belmont resident by the name of Michael Trotsky, who is very capable. So literally, all we would have to do is instead of trying to manage our own funds, turn those investments over to Pritt, and we would have made a million dollars more per year. Right there. Super easy thing. So why haven't we done that? Um, I can guess. I don't know. But let me get into a few other um, matters. Interestingly, over the last 10 years, from 2010 to 2020, uh, the Belmont Retirement System, which used to have very little invested in Pritt, has turned over 49% of our investments. So 49% of what we have is invested in Pritt, and we actively manage roughly $60 million, mm -hmm. which is a really, frankly, tiny fund that's very risky to manage such a small fund. Okay. And it means that you're putting really little positions into a lot of different money managers. And because they're little positions they charge top dollar for investment management fees. Mm -hmm. So we're spending way too much money. And then we spend about $60,000 a year. So I've moved from lost investment and now I'm moving into another category of expense, which is are these investment fees. So we pay a lot of investment fees because we have these little two or $3 million positions mm -hmm. and we have to pay a lot to each of those money managers. Yes. And then we pay an organization called New England Pension Consultants to come tell us, and we pay them $60,000 a year to come tell us, how to manage that $60 million. Yeah. Whereas if we turned it all to print, not only would we get better investments, we would cut out the $60 million and we'd cut out all the management fees that we pay for these little positions. Okay. Super easy fix. Yeah. Um, so why, why, aren't they, why aren't they doing it? I can't tell you why. Um, I can guess. And let me be really clear that I'm just guessing. My guess is that they're all friends and they all throw each other business that this is a small world of little clubs that run these pension funds right. and they scratch each other's backs. Well, what can be done? What, what can be done? I know you, you tried to. So I tried. Oh, so the reason, the reason initially, so um, the current members of the board, um, Floyd Carmen, Ross Bona and Walter Wellman, Ross is a current firefighter and uh, Walter is a retired firefighter had made their support very clear for Tom Gibson. So I was pretty sure I was never going to be appointed to the fifth fifth position. Right, yeah. But I thought, you know, I'm going to apply just because I have been following these issues really closely for two and a half years. I feel well-versed. I feel if nothing else, uh, I can do the service to the taxpayers. But also, this is a service to current employees and retirees. And the reason that I say that is a million dollars a year is a lot of positions that Belmont might have to cut if the override doesn't pass. So current employees should be really unhappy that the retirement board is not being efficient. They really should because their jobs are on the line. The second thing that's going to happen is two years ago, a uh, town meeting did approve an increase in the base for coal. This is a very complicated calculation, 
but we increased the amount that is used to determine cost of living adjustments for current retirees. Okay. I can just about guarantee that town meeting will never, ever again approve such an increase if we're losing a million dollars a year in lost investment returns. There's just no way that the town's going to do that. So we don't have actual control over the board, but current employees and retirees and town meeting members can certainly make their opinions known to the board that they ought to be behaving in a more fiscally responsible manner for the good of the employees, for the good of the retirees, and for the good of Belmont. Is there something that can be brought to the May town meeting coming up? Perhaps a warrant about it, about this? There can be a discussion, and I think there should be, because this is going to be a long process of education. The only thing that we can do is to cut stipends. Right now, we pay each member of the board $3,000 a year. I'm not convinced that's the right thing to do. My hope is that we can work in a collegial manner to resolve this. Um, and if, I, if I'm if i taking a positive look, to be honest, none of the current members of the board uh, are investment professionals. Um, uh, Floyd Carmen has been an, an exemplary treasurer and he has, he has a very good grasp of debt and municipal finance. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure any of them realized how far our investment returns were falling short. And I'm sure that New England Pension Consultants wasn't interested in pointing that out. The last meeting that I was at in November, New England Pension Consultants did admit that for the last 35 years, Pritt has outperformed Belmont. So for 35 years, there's been outperformance. And every year, you and I have paid the difference. So Pritt acknowledged that, but I doubt they wanted to highlight it because once they do, they lose their job with Belmont. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think there's kind of, you know, people are buddies on these various systems. But I also think, frankly, the system, since this isn't, they're not professionals at this, I don't think they understood. But now they understand. And now there's no more excuse. There's really not. So and then what, the last the last area that I wanted to focus on, and this truly is in the control of the board, oh, yeah. we have we have very high administrative expenses. Yes, I was going to ask you about that because they are actually renting office space. Yes, right? yes, so they're what renting. Other, what other administrative expenses do they have? Because they could they don't have to rent office space. They could probably find office space somewhere. Not, not only probably could Patrice Garvin, town administrator, offered it to them. Patrice is a very smart woman, and she knows that we're paying this bill every year. She sees that number, and she said. You know prices for that for the rent for the rent i don't think it's particularly expensive but it's still every dollar adds up when we are so cash strapped when we are running a structural deficit every year every dollar counts another area that really stands out that concerns me is we pay thirty-three thousand dollars a year to an attorney james quirk who and i've seen him he comes and sits at these meetings he sits there for three hours and he's driving to and from the cape and he's billing us for every hour of that time And it's not necessary for a couple of reasons. First of all, Tom Gibson, the chair of the board, this is his area of law. He's an attorney. He is legal counsel for the Middlesex County Retirement System. So he is well-versed in this area of law. And any minor question that comes up, he could answer. Or is that a conflict of interest? Would that be a conflict of interest? It's not a conflict of interest if he's bringing his knowledge. He actually has a fiduciary duty to act in the best interest of the retirees. Okay. And the fact that he is both chair and legal counsel for the Middlesex County Retirement System Clearly, it's not been um, a, a conflict there. I see. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a conflict here. Right. Uh, and also, the town hires um, 
in addition to George Hall, who serves as general counsel, the town also has labor counsel. And we're one of the towns who, by law, are allowed to piggyback on the town's use of labor counsel. Now, if an actual issue came up that came to litigation, absolutely the board should hire independent counsel. But that's not what Mr. Court does. He just sits in at every meeting. And what does and he get paid? Oh, you said 33000 It's $33,000 a year divided by 12. Um, so that lets you know what he gets paid per meeting. I mean, I'm sure there's some ancillary things on the side, but... Yeah. Um, he wrote a memo telling me, oh, so the reason I was men not even interviewed is because as a member of the warrant committee uh, and as a member of town meeting, I count as a town official. I'm not paid for anything. All that I do for the town is volunteer. Yeah. But I still count as a, uh, 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 um, an official for purposes of that fifth member. Yeah. So, you know, the law is the law. And there's a group called PARAC, which is, I'm going to get this wrong. Let me find it. The, I always call it PARAC, but just so people understand, it's the Public Employee Retirement Administrative Commission. Yeah. We have the right. So this is yet another reason we don't need uh, an attorney sitting in at every meeting. We have the right to ask PARAC for legal advice. And when the board asked if I could be uh, appointed to this fifth position, their general counsel responded with, good legal analysis and said no. But then Mr. Quirk went on to write a full additional memo. And as I responded, I said, you know, the general counsel's opinion suffice from PARAC. That's pretty authoritative. Um, so right. this, this, this is really redundant. So anyway, uh, that's a significant expense. Rent's a significant expense. Uh, we have a travel budget of $8,000 a year. I have no idea why we would be paying board members to travel. Do they spend it? Um, typically, I think they have. This year, no, because there's no traveling going on. But so there are these conventions, and they can happen in places like Las Vegas or Florida that um, board members can go to and schmooze with each other. And frankly, any of the continuing education that goes on can happen right here in Massachusetts. Uh, they do have they do have a twelve hour commitment. I think it's twelve hours over three years of, or it might be eighteen hours over three years. Anyway, there's a there's an annual. Uh, educational component, which is appropriate. Uh, board members should be versed in their jobs and the law. But that can all happen in Massachusetts, or guess what? It can happen remotely. So, uh, you know, I've identified, what, roughly $50,000 there that could be cut from... So what do you think is the total total amount that the town could save with, with your recommendations? Um, I, would, recommendations? I would expect... Well, the Warrant Committee hasn't made official recommendations, and the Working Group hasn't even made official recommendations. We've been in... Uh, okay, so I, these are your recommendations. These are my recommendations. I want to be really clear on that. Although, the Working Group, we have certainly discussed a number of these, and we've had meetings discussing them. Um, and at some point, we will officially take these recommendations to the Warrant Committee. But what happened, and I... I it was when I saw this opening that I thought, okay, I'm going to apply because I want to force the board to confront these issues. We can report to the warrant committee and the board can ignore us. Um, we can report to the select board and the board and, and the retirement board can ignore us. If I apply for a position and include a cover letter saying, gee, these are problems we've identified that you should address, they can't ignore us. So that's that's really why I did it. If, if I had been appointed, I would have gladly served as I serve in other areas. Um, but... I was under no illusions that uh, I was going to get this fifth position. I, um, and in fact, I had to had to fight even to be interviewed, and then wasn't interviewed after all. So, well, I admire your guts, Elizabeth. You definitely <laughs> have guts. And from what I understand, they used to do these meetings via Zoom, but now they're only doing them by phone. You can only call in. 
So we used to go to the meetings in person, as I said, the, the, uh, the, the working group would, would rotate one person. And then with, um, with COVID, everything moved to Zoom. And then I think they weren't happy with the attention I brought to this. And so they didn't send Zoom links out from Monday's meeting. Nobody had information for it, which frankly could have well been a violation of open meeting laws. Uh, that is something that we need to look into. But yeah. uh, the rest of Talmont has, Belmont has been scrupulous about open meeting laws and um, maybe telephone qualifies. I don't know, but every other committee in Belmont has sent out zoom links. And so I'm, I'm concerned that their reaction seems to have been to try to close things down as opposed to keep things open and transparent. And ultimately we all want transparent, responsible, responsive local governments. Well, I know, I know when they voted to put the override question on the ballot, Roy said there are two drivers for this override. One is enrollment, the growing enrollment of the schools, and the other is, is pension liability. Yep. So this is definitely something that should, shouldn't be ignored. Well, and this is the last thing, you know, I've talked about the million dollars that we could save 980,000 to be precise. I'm just rounding up to be a million. And then I think we could through various means shave off another 75 to hundred thousand in administrative costs annually. So let's just say a million, you know, that, that that's that we could save a million dollars a year if uh, and I I support the current override at six and a half million dollars because being so deeply involved in the town's finances I understand the drivers and the deficits and I want class sizes not to be 30 students and I want roads to be repaired and also as someone who's followed this very closely town hall is very very lean there is no more there are no head there's no head count to be cut in the accountant's office, the treasurer's office, human resources. No, it's really the school side that yeah. uh, has the well, it, it's big a, expenses. It, it <laughs> is. It is. And um, and now with if, the building, yeah, there's, and, more, there's going to be more expenses. Exactly. So the position that I've taken on the override is it's an and. It's not either or. It's an override and uh, structural reform. And a really obvious and the easiest place we can reform things structurally is, is the pension management, the, the pension retirement system. That is just that's just an easy no brainer. Very easy to do. My concern is if we do nothing there, Belmont citizens won't pass another override that they're just going to look and say, why should we trust you? Uh, there, there's some other areas that we can look at as well. But the pension is the easiest. It, it, it's low hanging fruit. Uh, we, we could very easily resolve this problem. And so I, I, we, we need structural reform. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for doing that. I appreciate you doing this. And I want to also ask you about your um, future aspirations for town government. There's um, so my, people say, oh, we think Elizabeth Dion should run for select board. And so people have been asking me that for a couple of years. And I would say my, my aspiration is to serve and to build community. That is my aspiration. Um, I worked very, very hard two years ago to get Roy Epstein elected because I knew we needed, I knew we were facing these fiscal problems and I knew we needed his financial expertise, which I don't have. That's not my area of expertise. Um, and I have been a supporter of Tom Caputo and Adam Dash, who've been very diligent. Select board is a tough, tough job. It is easily 15 to 20 hours a week, effectively uncompensated. They get a token stipend, but it's it's nothing. And so these gentlemen have all served very diligently. Um, I was sorry that Tom opted not to run again, but I understand why he's got a full time job and to a family. And 
Um, it's really select board for someone with children at home and working. Like it's just really not possible to do. So it's very difficult. I think if you're not, if you have children at home to do the job and I still had children at home. So it's, it's just been, it's been difficult in a couple of years. I won't, I do think that it is time to have women on the board but there are other women that I'd actually also be happy to support. Uh, Chris Doyle, with whom I've worked, is phenomenal. Um, Anne Helgen is phenomenal. She said no. Lori Slap's phenomenal. She said no. There are a lot of really capable women who I think are there. And, and so if in two years or three years um, it's appropriate, then I will certainly consider it. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm interested in the best candidate. And if that candidate is not me, I will gladly support somebody else. Um, so that's, that's kind of a non-answer just saying there, there are a lot of, a lot of variables. Um, but I do think whoever the candidate is, is, it's critical that that person understand how town government works. Belmont has in some ways a very open system. We have 50 committees staffed by roughly 300 people. I mean, that's wonderful accessibility. Uh, but at the same time, it makes it really hard to know what's going on. And people claim, oh, you know, the government's closed. No, it's not closed, but it's very complicated. And if you want to understand what's going on, you have to invest the time to understand how it works and what the very com various committees have authority over. And the select board, actually, there are a lot of areas that it doesn't control at all. It doesn't control the retirement board. It doesn't control the school system. It doesn't control the assessors. I mean, there are a lot of independent boards You're that right. the select board doesn't control. So if you don't understand how those boards work and understand how the select board works with them, you can't do the select board job. There's just, there's just really no feasible way to waltz in and think you're going to understand how that job works. You really have to have invested the time. You're absolutely right. And, and the good news is there are a lot of, um, a lot of women who have invested that time. There's, there's a good cadre of capable women who in a few years, I think, can, can step up and do this very, very right. capably. Well, I think next up for re-election will be who next year? Will it be uh, Next year is Roy. Yeah, that's three years. Uh, I certainly hope he runs again. I certainly plan to support him again. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like to run against incumbents. And um, currently, oops, that's my time. Currently, <laughs> we have Mark Palillo running after a two-year hiatus. He served as select board, um, a select board member for three terms, nine years, and, and he left. Um, yeah. Years later, he's back because. He so I spoke with Mark this week. I was yeah. one of the ones urging him to do this. Uh, typically, really? I typically I agree with Roy Epstein that we want new blood. I mean, Roy, Roy, very much is grateful that. Um, that Mark is coming back. In general, you want to build new leadership, but this is a crisis year and you can't run a typical campaign. Uh, and you That's can't true. go to door to door canvassing. You can't do the, the meets and greets. And so uh, the fact that Mark, who's doing this reluctantly, he is genuinely doing this as an act of public service. And, and I say reluctantly, meaning he will, do, we've seen him do this before. He gives heart and soul to this. He will, he will do what needs to be done. Uh, but he'd earned his retirement, so we're pulling him out of retirement to do this. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if anyone else will pull papers or not. But I, I really am enormously grateful that he feels this commitment to Belmont. So far, no one else has pulled papers. Interestingly enough, select board is not as popular as school committee this upcoming election. We have potentially five people running for two seats for school committee. Well, and in some ways, school committee is actually more important than select board right now because school committee drives the town's budget. I mean, the school committee dictates what happens in terms of salaries and spending and 
So yes, people should be very focused. That's the majority of the town's budget and school committee controls it, not select board. So people are right to be focused on the school committee. That is a very important race. Yes, it is. And I'll be covering it. <laughs> so I think, I think we covered all our, our bases. We have just a little bit of time left. So why don't you tell us about the projects that will be going before town meeting, the community preservation projects that have been approved to uh, go before town meeting for their approval. Uh, I'm happy to do that. Again, let me give people just a little bit of background on how this works. So I think it was in 2010, Belmont Citizens approved uh, or dot with the Community Preservation Act, which means there's a small church surcharge, I think one and a half percent on their taxes that fund these projects that I talked about at the top of the hour. So every year in September, project sponsors can submit applications to the committee. We see if they meet the criteria. We give them some feedback. And then in December of of that year, uh, project sponsors will submit final applications. So this year there are four. We have recommended three to town meeting. We're still waiting on the fourth. So the first is just study funds for Payson Park. Community preservation funds have uh, gone to renovating most of the other parks in town, but Payson Park needs some attention. So this is just design work. We usually do okay. these in two phases. So this $35,000, very reasonable request. That was, that was pretty easy. Um, the second request is $250,000 to replenish, for want of a better word, what we call a slush fund for the housing trust. Town meeting had approved this three years ago, and then last year we decided to divert those funds toward emergency rental assistance because of COVID. Right. So this is effectively just replenishing a fund, and we want this fund because we want to be able to move quickly if attractive, affordable uh, housing opportunities present themselves. Okay. Um, one that we haven't, oh, and I'm sorry, and then the last one that we've approved would also be sort of along the lines of a slush fund. It's $200,000 for the Community Path Implementation Committee. I'm not oh. sure if I'm getting that all right. But they need to do work to determine right-of-ways. Um, most of those rights-of-way will be temporary for construction easements. So we're just they need to determine how much of uh, private property they might need to encroach on. It's usually, you know, 10 feet similar to something that happened on Trapello Road. Um, they may have to acquire permanent easements on some property, but this is just a fund so that they can start to do that. Because our fund, we, we have a year-long funding process, and they can't, if they identify the need and then have to wait a year, it, it delays the whole path. And so Russ Lino, who's the chair and I talked last summer, I said, Russ, you need basically a slush fund to do this. And as a community preservation committee, we're trying to be a little more proactive about seeing needs and helping people understand the timing. That's why I was explaining the timing so that people understand how it works. The last project that has not yet been um, approved is the proposal to put two tennis courts, two additional courts at Wimbrook. Okay. And the reason we haven't approved that yet is typically we do this in a two-phase process where you do the design one year and then you do the approval of the, or, or you do a, a feasibility study and then more complete drawings. Yeah. Um, the, um, the town hadn't yet met with, with interested parties to get their feedback and we really needed to know what we were voting on. There was, there was nothing, there was no drawing. And so in January, we, we quickly approved $3,500 of administrative funds to say, quick, just do some drawings because we can't send this to town meeting if nobody knows what they're voting on. I think that has been a very useful exercise and we will vote on that February 17th. Um, oh. There's still need to make a decision whether it's one or two. Uh, everybody's been very gracious. Um, Second Soccer has been very gracious about giving up a field. 
Uh, Joey's Park has been gracious for the Belmont High School tennis team. I agree, and and that those high school students are the one one club that was left without any space at the new high school. So, and the town did commit to do this. This is my personal opinion. I'm not speaking officially as the chair. I think if we're going to sacrifice that field, we should do two rather than one because it's the most efficient use of that space. The courts are very popular. Mm -hmm. Six courts is ideal for the tennis team. Five is not. But that is not my decision. I'm still waiting. We're waiting to hear what the rec commission votes on. And but but I, I do just think it would be it would behoove us to use our very precious space in the most efficient possible way, provided that we can make it attractive and accessible. And I do think some of the money should be used for screenings or plantings to keep Joey's Park, you know, you know, even shaded. If we could put some trees that would help Joey's Park, but also screen the tennis courts. So what can we find that's a win-win-win situation? Community, the Community Preservation Committee, our first word is community. And we want what we do to be building community, not driving wedges. So we, yes. we work really hard to find ways where not everybody gets 100%, but I think that everybody at least feels listened to and accounted for. Well, I think that's great. You do great work on that committee as well. And it's uh it's it's fun to be in one of the few positions where I can say yes. <laughs> you know, usually we're saying no, 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 but but this is a committee where we often get to say yes. No, it's it's good to see the the funds getting spent the way they have been on these these projects that we wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. Yeah, the, the hopefully are providing and I'm really concerned about providing maximum benefit to the town of Belmont for these Frankly, there's, I consider them sacred funds. These these are funds that have been entrusted to us by the town, and we ought to make sure they're being used as intended, but also to maximize the benefits for the most number of people. I, I agree, totally. I, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. I do hope that we can have Elizabeth on again, because she certainly is a wealth of information. And we'll see what happens. I, I do hope that you do consider running for select board someday. I'll I'll keep it in mind. Joanna, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to come explain some of these issues. And also you're doing really important work with local news. So many local news organizations are dying. So thank you for doing this work. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the feedback. So I'm going to buzz off for now until next time.